good. Mm-hmm. I am Yashima Bet Selassie. I am 17 years young, and I was born and raised in Oakland, California. Um, I, I love baking and cooking. I've grown up in the kitchen in a lot of ways. And um, as I get older, I learn that that is a family trait, to be in the kitchen and to care for one another. I started baking when I was four, and then I got more serious about baking when I was seven or eight. Mm. Um, I had a really serious allergy to gluten, and so at that time, there was very minimal gluten-free product. So I just went to the library, got as many books as I could possibly check out, and I just read, read, and read about um, recipes, about gluten-free baking, anything that I could find. I was very intrigued by it. And I've always loved to read. I think you can gain knowledge by reading. And it's just a beautiful tool to learn. It's For me, it's much better than learning on the computer. Oh, yeah. um, I would bake every weekend if I could. I would bake. I'd get up early and I'd make breakfast for my family and experiment whenever I was able to be in the kitchen, in our little kitchen. And eventually, <laughs> I stopped having an allergy to gluten and I was super grateful because it's much easier to bake with all yeah. the flour and all the different glutinous flours. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So from a young age, I've, I've um, had a lot of failed baking projects and it's definitely a part of the process. And I think people have to embrace the parts that don't work out a little bit more because it's not in the comfort that you grow. It's really in the discomfort where Absolutely. you are learning and you're finding out challenges and what you can do differently. So I really value that. I value that disappointment muscle being flexed because otherwise I just wouldn't be where I am today. And now if something doesn't work out, I have more of a positive attitude around it. And I'm curious mm-hmm. to figure out what didn't work instead of feeling like it's a personal attack on my character. I used to be younger, <laughs> right and it didn't work out. So sometimes oh, yeah. you don't do everything right. And sometimes you think you do, that doesn't mean it's going to work out or not work out. So that's one of the things I love about baking is it can be a different result every time. So there's a lot of things that I've learned around consistency in terms of temperature and using a scale to weigh my ingredients instead of using a cup measure and just having a positive attitude when I'm in the kitchen I think your energy determines what you attract so if you're in a bad mood and you're you'll bake something it's not going to turn out <laughs> you would want it to indeed so people ask me often so I, I really try to avoid stressing because yeah. it just doesn't benefit me and it doesn't have to be a part of the process I think true absolutely and yeah. I think embracing the opportunity to you know make a mistake fail is just great practice for being a human being um Mm -hmm. i know like every now and again i you know culturally it kind of comes into play i think we what we learn about what we understand um when it comes to failure or disappointment or whatever it's going to be um i think part of that is like we see how the people around us manage that space and we learn from from that like how are they um owning that how are they learning from that how are they walking away from that and so we really do learn how to deal with our our failures and and mistakes by example exactly yeah because no one's telling you you're wrong so someone tells you you're wrong so you don't really even know that something's incorrect until someone makes a formal announcement that it is and so most times you're just like oh so and then that even in that you know I always tell people like that needs context as well because sometimes something isn't wrong but 
how that person's experiencing something is painful or uncomfortable. So it's not necessarily that you're even in error at that point. It could be that this person right now with you or yourself um, could be experiencing this moment with a, a tremendous amount of like discomfort and, and pain and that kind of thing. And so we do have to re rethink or, yeah, we have to rethink and reconsider like what we say is like wrong or incorrect sometimes, because I think in, in context, it can, a lot of times it's up for uh, interpretation. Mm, so, yeah. I really resonate with that. I agree with you a yeah. lot. So it's just like, especially in, I mean, and then food and something so tactical, and mm-hmm. that something has like a practical application where you have like one plus one equals two. And there's a tremendous amount of science. And if you get these particular p- points right and this formula correct, you should have this particular outcome. Mm-hmm. And I think we do kind of invest a lot in like, okay, so what's, so if the outcome doesn't match what I've been told this equation should come to, then where was my error or my misstep? And I think that gives those things give you an opportunity to explore like Mm -hmm. okay i'm curious as to why i did it exactly this way and it was i was told this was supposed to be the outcome and it wasn't so like how do i read how do i investigate that how do i resolve that because even because if the outcome is delicious and looks great and you're enjoying it you can't really say it's a wrong outcome it's just Mm -hmm. not the outcome that you were expecting and so even that is just kind of like reframing reframing our expectations on the outcome is definitely exactly exactly I've learned that a lot when baking it's like sometimes I just don't even have an expectation because then I won't be disappointed and (laughs) when I have that practice in baking I really just transfer it to other life experiences because I used to be so disappointed in a lot of situations where I'm able to just have more of a positive reaction to situations regardless of what happens because I didn't have high hopes for it you know it's not to say that I'm I'm hoping the worst I just you know it is what it is and what right yeah I can't control that so especially with other people like once you put something in the oven it's it's out of your hands like Like, well here it is it's gonna happen how it's gonna happen friends oh Yeah. yeah I think it's, you know, I think the kitchen is a great space to kind of understand what it is to be like flexible and agile in your like thinking about things mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't more, more often than not, it is not going to meet the expectation you set for it more mm-hmm. often than not. I mean, exactly. every now and again, because if, if it did, um, you'd be working in a factory, you know what I mean? Like factory production and like commercial food production. The expectation is like, this cookie is going to be the same size with the same amount of ingredients and the same weight and the same everything, you know, coming off of the line. And, you know, you have machines that are calibrating that you have a team of people checking it. And so that's a really different operation and function because you are not necessarily producing food for pleasure or for joy or for nutrition. You are producing food for profit. Mm-hmm. which has a that's a really different expectation and, mm-hmm. and so when you kind of confront that in a retail situation and someone shows up in like a target or a walmart and they're just like hey i bought i'm, I'm gonna buy these same uh the, the same oreo cookies and i expect them to be the same size to be the same texture as they were 30 years ago and mm-hmm. you're just like that's a that's the goal of like commercial food production right is it's to make sure you can produce exactly produce those those ends and like make sure that people come to it the the beauty i think of what we do is that we don't have to stay in that framework at all it's that Mm -hmm. we can create new experiences for people around food and like shift their expectations about what it should be and what it should look like and really create a different conversation about what is perfection and what is 
what is consistency and, you know, all of those things. And so I, we get the opportunity to really kind of rebel against a lot of those, uh, that kind of commercialization of, of food production. So I enjoyed the, the very rebellious part of food. Uh, quite yes. <laughs> for that reason. I just think that um, for nourishment and for experience, and I think a lot of people would often be challenging me if they heard me say this because they're like, well, you bake, you bake sweets, and sweets are unhealthy. And I'm like, I'm not telling you to eat this every day, but I know everybody eats sweets. Most people eat sweets. Yeah. So if you're going to eat sweets, you might as well have something that's really delicious and yeah. handcrafted and high quality so you, that you can enjoy it, that it's an experience. You know, Oreo cookies are, you may think they're an experience, but I'm going to say you, <laughs> not. There's, there's not as much love put into there. Like, right. Like, this is hard and it's coming from a passion. If I didn't enjoy doing this, I would have stopped doing this a long time ago. Right. So I think if you, if you are set to make money and that's your main goal, don't be in the food business because obviously your heart is not in the right place. It's one thing if you're a business person and you already have the elements around the passion and the story, but I find that there's a lot of people who are just doing things nowadays, and I, I would think that it's for the wrong reasons because if you're focusing on the money and you don't enjoy it, eventually you not enjoying it might just override the, the money that you think you're making from it. Exactly. Because oh, yeah, it's definitely. gonna become a, a stressor, and you're gonna feel burnt out, and you're gonna be resentful. And it's like, is is it worth the money then? If that's how your energy is, you know. So those are just some of my thoughts on that. Well, they're, they're excellent thoughts, and they should be shared. They are. They're. I think they're right. They're right on target. And um, what we come to expect in, I think, food being produced by like human hands, really. Um, like I did an interview with Gingy Frazier, and you know her sentiments echo and reflect very much your own. I mean, mm -hmm. so it's like, I think people producing in like smaller batches and smaller spaces and things like that. Yes, absolutely. You should be thinking about the experience and how you can nourish a person and, and take care of a person because that is such a, a personal exchange when you feed people. Mm -hmm. And then of course, to people's ideas that you can villainize food across the board um, because some folks, you know, don't have any self-control um that's different it's like okay should you eat until you're sick absolutely not but you can do that with anything mm -hmm. um i mean you can eat enough apple seeds to poison yourself with cyanide so let's not so for me it's like oh if if sweets are if dessert and sweets and like sugar and stuff like that are your only source of nutrition then yes that is going to be a problem <laughs> all the time um <laughs> if if it is not like i fully believe in like all of these things matter for nourishment and mm -hmm. there's nothing that really should be villainized because um because sometimes the outcomes are that people are um either irresponsible or don't have the um the health conditions to manage what they consume because some people just don't it's like when you discovered you when you had a gluten allergy you didn't sit and go i don't care i'm going to eat all the things with the gluten in them doesn't matter right. so you know what i mean yeah. you made a choice to like go out go i'm not gonna damage my body like that because my body's saying that's not a thing we're doing right now so mm -hmm. it's in that in that regard it's like what you didn't villainize gluten it was just that me and gluten don't get along right now my relationship with gluten is not is not premium so right. i will this relationship with food in general needs to shift specifically in america oh because yeah because if we're speaking culturally and, and around context it's just 
it's so different here than it is in in Jamaica or or Ethiopia or Mexico. Just other places that you go to and you experience the culture around food, I can almost guarantee you that it's going to be different than it is in America. Because more of a connection to heritage and lineage and the way that ancestors prepared these things. And if we're thinking in terms of like what really works for our bodies, we have to go back to our ancestors and think about if this is not what they were eating, then why, how and when did I adapt that this would now be what is optimal for my body? And, and that's True. like, say you think that eating McDonald's is optimal for your body. When has that ever been proven to be optimal for your body? If your ancestors ate beans and rice, then maybe you should eat some beans and rice. You know I mean, really, it's true. It's so true. And and that idea of, I think a big part of like the attitudes in food and especially Western culture is that uh, um, the abundance of options and like the the quantity and volume that's available to the larger majority of people allow you to not think about what you're putting in your mouth but when things Mm -hmm. are precious when you live in like an agricultural society and you have to grow your food Mm -hmm. and wait for that process and harvest that food with your own hands and like there you have more points of contact with what you eat um than you tend to do in like a lot of western civilizations and so most people if you ask them where something comes from in this country they're kind of they have a basic idea but they really don't know the processes that their food goes through and that kind of thing before they eat. So I feel like we do have a disconnection um, with food because our relationship with it is so minimal. We don't have mm-hmm. a lot of points of contact. We're essentially the end consumer and that's it. Right. right. And a so, lot of people have just stopped um, valuing the importance of cooking. You know, I yeah. think it's an essential life skill. And if you go back in time, certain people think that's a woman's job. And so it's like, well, if that mentality has ruled people in in a certain way for whatever period of time, then we have to look at that now and see how that's continuing to affect our psyche around food consumption. Because I think, you know, this is this is somewhat out of context. But as I've grown and I've um, met different people along my path, they've been like, "Oh, you cook your wife material." I'm like, "And what do you do? What what are you bringing to the table?" If that's how you think you're going to be in relationship with me, it's not going to work out like that because I do expect to have a partner who is able to cook. I think that's important. I don't want to be the one who's, you know, responsible for teaching you how to do that because I, I have a background in, in baking and in culinary, you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think people have to just go back to that. Like everybody should know how to farm. Everybody should know how to cook. These are basic life skills. Yes. Yeah. There's a survival skills that you should have. Exactly. I mean, everyone had them at some point. And yes. And look, and I and like I tell most people who come uh who hop on the podcast, absolutely nothing is out of context, out of bounds. Mm -hmm. Um, feel free to jump ship if you need to on a subject. It's absolutely invited here. Um, because I definitely do it. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, as well as anyone can attest to the fact that that unfortunately in um in in how people are socialized you will probably continue to hear that very ridiculous mm-hmm. asinine question of oh a do you cook and when they discover you do oh that it somehow qualifies you right to do some be in their lives in some capacity and you're just yeah. like so that yeah it, it won't it doesn't change so no. just just be prepared just <laughs> yourself. Yeah. yourself for that experience it just gets more interesting um to that point though how has your not necessarily your 
not like baking and cooking and things like that, but how has your kind of entrepreneurial spirit and energy and ambitions shaped your like young adulthood? What are the, how did you, how did, how does it look when you kind of look over and see like your peers and what those things, those things that are obviously different because entrepreneurs think very differently. Um, So how has that kind of affected like how you socialize and like what you do and your friendships and your relationships? Like, how does that, start to look because I know for you know as you if you've ever worked in a restaurant it's like we don't have a life so it's kind of like hey I haven't seen that person in 10 years because I've been cooking this whole time so um so how has that kind of shaped your your world in the last you know like I would say decade I think that's a great question and honestly I wish that more people who have interviewed me had, had asked that question because you know it's something I think about on a daily basis um So basically, I started Yashi Bakes when I was 12 years young, and to my family, this was not a surprise because my parents are entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurship runs in the family. It's Entrepreneurship has been a survival skill because anything that you know how to do that you can sell, that's that's a great thing. You know, you need that money. A lot of people need that money. So it's become, um, I think it's become glamorized in a sense but I think the root of it in in other places if you see people in the streets and they're selling you chips or candy or this fruit you may not think they're entrepreneurs because of what you're so used to in America but that is being an entrepreneur they you don't know how they're getting that stuff but they're selling you something and that's that's their business you know right so my have instilled in me this idea that anything you're passionate about doing you can make a living from it and they've been an amazing example of that by running you know restaurant businesses uh, graphic design art body work birth keeping all of these different works that have been in the family so it's natural to me to have something that I create that I share with the world so I started my business when I was 12 and immediately it was an isolating feeling from my peers and growing up I always experienced this sense of isolation around my peers and I've socialized easier with adults like my whole life Mm. so it didn't really bother me at that time because I was getting so much juice from other people who felt like they genuinely cared about me and like a jealous energy from my peer group at that time where I was more comfortable with just being around people who showed me love because why wouldn't I be? Right. So as I've gotten older, I realized that quality over quantity is very important when it comes to friendships. And this may be something people just say all the time, but I would really much rather have one solid friend who I know has my back, who is really down for me, than have a group of people in my life who are around when it's convenient. Oh, yeah. So I'm just cultivating relationships with people who are interested in interested in, in their future and investing in their future in a way where I can relate to that. So I think I've lost a lot of friends who have felt as if maybe I am arrogant, but I consider myself to be a motivated person. So I don't hang around with people who are not doing things that don't align with my vision. And I've become more assertive around that and just confident. And, and knowing what I want and Perfect. I'm not really worried about it because I know that I I don't lack social skills um I just I just don't necessarily have a lot of friends and I, it doesn't right. bother me how it used to but I think during COVID I've had my moments where I'm like 
okay, now this is another layer of, of social isolation that a lot of people can relate to. But overall, I'm, I'm a very self-sufficient person and I really enjoy spending time alone because I have so much creative energy where mm. I'm constantly inspired. I'm constantly focused. I can just sit down and write for four hours or I can just go in the kitchen and I can make these things and develop the recipes or, you know, I like to go skating and create art, paint, watercolor. I have a lot of different things that I enjoy doing. So I know that I'm good in my own company. So it hasn't been as much of a as as much of an issue as it could for other people. But it's definitely a challenge. Like sometimes I'm like, wow, it would be nice if I could talk to someone my age about this. And then I'm so grateful that I have my auntie figures who have the wisdom and knowledge that I'm really like benefiting from in that mm. time. So that's a that's a short answer. That's hey, that works for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a short and thorough answer. Um, in that, in that, uh, and that was something I was actually good. I was thinking about um, when I was uh, thinking about like what I wanted to know and what I was going to ask um, was what outside of, of course, food, like what other interests? Because I know I always have more than one and they mm -hmm. all kind of feed back into the same place or come from the same place, but the expressions are a little different. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the expressions definitely vary. Um, you know, before I started cooking I was uh I worked in like marketing and design and so you know I was a graphic designer for a long time I went to art school there's like you know I didn't become a, a chef until you know halfway in so it wasn't like the very first thing and then um you know I wanted to be a, a journalist for a very long time and just a regular like you know like at the desk type of journalist so um current news type stuff and then um I definitely entertain the idea of like being a librarian because I always love books and I love to read and I love like this. I love the idea of literacy and pushing people to know how to consume, you know, words in a way that is, is affects them and it changes changes things for them. So, um, so yeah, so my interests definitely vary. I imagine yours definitely do. So is there is there anything you're kind of finding yourself splitting your time between at this point because you know it's there are mo I also believe there are moments when you're especially if you're an entrepreneur where the work or something you've created starts to just feel more like work it you still love it but there's a point mm -hmm. where it's just rep repetitious and um and consistently you come to it and it's like okay so this is work because I have a very specific outcome that has to happen I have a client I have you know a request that I need to get done and so when it becomes that you have to find another place to put all of that creative energy Energy. So where are you, where are you applying a lot of that kind of excess creative energy for yourself? Mm -hmm. Growing up, I've also loved writing and reading. So those are some other things I do in my free time. I like to write poetry and just different, you know, I really enjoy having stories that go with my recipes. So nice. that's something I've been working on. I recently started skateboarding. Uh, which is enjoyable and my sister and I have roller skates but they're a lot more difficult than skateboarding <laughs> um, yeah I like to paint I like to what else do I like to do I'm interested in fashion and skincare and natural hair care um, nice. I have a lot of different things I like to do and I'm really interested in getting my others in business administration and management so that's another thing that I'm working on because I see myself having multiple companies when I'm older. Once I have Yashi Bakes to a, to a place where I'm not needed in the same in the same way because I'm yeah. I'm the person running things and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
so much fun. Like I am my staff. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, my goal is really to have that change by the end of the year. I mean, I'm 17, so there's a lot of things that I haven't been able to do from a legal aspect. So my goal by the end of this year is to have done a fundraiser for Yashi Bakes commercial kitchen space and hire a few employees. Nice. Because there is the demand for it. And it's like, why would I let that go away when I, I can cultivate what I want right now? Yeah. Um, people have this idea that you should wait to do things. And I, I just don't, I don't resonate with that at all. I think that if you haven't learned from, from quarantine that life is short, then like you really need a wake up call because if you don't do it now, there's not like there's some promised plan that can still happen. So yeah. I've been very motivated in waking up and today is a new day for me to do what I want to do and what I need to do to just like fulfill my desires in life because, you know, I'm young and I still just, I'm just very clear in terms of how I want my future to look in a lot of ways. I see myself traveling. I see myself, you know, I would like to be able to live in Brazil for a few months out of the year. I, I have a desire to make things happen. So if it seems like, oh my gosh, she's always working. Like in a lot of ways, I am always working. I wake up and I have an agenda for what I do, but everything is like in alignment with where I want to be in my life. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, it makes sense. I don't, most times I'll have to get up and go, don't do anything today because Mm -hmm. you know, like that, otherwise your brain is already on 10 by the time it's, you know, seven o'clock and you're like, okay, I want to get the, and it's not so much a, you know, it's never a labor. It's just that, Hey, I have a very specific thing. I have a very specific way I want my life to look. And I know that these are the things I want to be a part of it in this way. And it's like, you're really, I also feel like you come at life like a sculptor. You're just trying like, I really want to shape this. And because you paint and you know, like with art, what's in your head is the, is kind of the thing. You're like, okay, I see this thing in my head. Or even if it's, it starts out as a sketch and you start in a certain place, you really don't have a direction it's going. And then all of a sudden that the, whatever is, whatever the final picture is going to be shows up and you're just like, Mm -hmm. okay, so that's what this is going to be at some point. And so then you commit yourself to shaping whatever that is into that thing. And I'm like, so that's for me life. It's just like, I am trying to shape my life into something that I want to see reflected. And so that takes work. It, yeah. it just does. Because there will be two- people don't want to do that work. That work, no, that, they don't. And there's a point where you have to, you know, and yes, there's a point where you have to recognize, okay, I'm at that place where I should be sitting in, um, sitting in that outcome and celebrating that outcome, celebrating that win, because it can get really easy to be working at it for so long that you miss the moment that mm-hmm. you kind of get what you were working on. Right. And you're like, oh, I didn't know it came and went, my bad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, balancing that as well and like recognizing like, hey, I need to also prioritize like rest and re and reset because it's it what it helps keep me productive because mm-hmm. um, definitely like I you know take a day and like all right I'm not gonna do anything I'm not gonna invest any time in anything and it's hard because by the end of the day I'm usually like making a list of all yes. the things I like thought <laughs> about that day and I'm like all right, I want to get to these later and so but the next day I'm like rested and clear <clears throat> excuse me and I'm ready to go mm-hmm. so it's just like learning how to like in insert that into my life because it's important and it makes me more productive in the end in the in the final outcome so yeah so I, I completely get it I, I understand I lived the, I've lived that life 
for a long, long time now. And it's just like, it doesn't shut off. The tap never turns off. Um, so how, what's your approach to like recipes at this point? Cause I remember reading in your bio, like initially you would, you, you know, and because of your gluten allergy, it was like, you had a very, very specific parameters to come at it with. And then you had your sisters as your taste testers and that kind of thing. And so as you've evolved your business and grown your palate and had access to more ingredients and all of that stuff, and more experiences in life, um, how do you approach your recipe process now? That's a great question. I normally approach my recipe process by taking, say it's like a base vanilla cake recipe and I wanna make a, a lemongrass raspberry cake. I would take like the base of the vanilla cake recipe because I know it's the texture that I like. I know that it's sturdy enough to hold up with the additions that I'm gonna add in there. And I document what I'm doing. I've learned that you just have to write it down or you're going to forget and it's best not to change too many things at once so I'll like do multiple takes because it's just a part of the process so maybe I would I, I'm going to remove the vanilla extract and I'm going to replace the milk with um, steeped lemongrass so I mean that either I'm going to steep the lemongrass in the milk or maybe I'm going to try it in the water and see what works out better. Oh, and I have food grade lemongrass essential oil. I'm going to add a couple drops of that in. And so then I'm taking that base recipe and I'm changing it into something new. And then I can see how well it worked to maybe do it with another flavor of something that I mm. like. Um, so I get inspired by a lot of things. I I like floral cakes sometimes, but I think, you know, that stereotype of sometimes things taste like soap sometimes they do taste like soap and sometimes it's better to use the ingredient in another way um so i mostly use a lot of spices in my baked goods because there's a variety of ways to use them and yeah. i'm not adding moisture content which is helpful in a lot of ways so one of my favorite spices is cardamom which i make an orange blossom cardamom coffee cake which today after this um, podcast, I'm actually going to make it to <laughs> my grandmother in Florida because her birthday, her 79th birthday is on April 8th. And she oh, had wow. a request for me when I left her house. She was like, honey, can you please make me this cake for my birthday? <laughs> like, of course. I will. I will figure out how to Absolutely. <laughs> Why would I say no to that? And I, I, yeah, you you just yeah, you did mention you were in Florida for a little while for some how how did you um how was that for you? Because I know sometimes like just removing yourself from your usual geographic location, getting like a new it's a shift in energy, it's a shift in vibes, it's a, it's just a shift and you're like you're the part of a part of yourself opens up that might not have otherwise done so if you had mm -hmm. stayed home um so so how was that visit like how what did, did you come away with like some new some new inspiration some new passion some new curiosities yes it was a beautiful visit um initially i was kind of scared to announce it is florida. that i was going to be going away because i mean it's florida i've seen how the pandemic is there Everyone has seen how the pandemic <laughs> is there. I was like, this is what not to do in a pandemic. Yeah. Florida has been a great example. <laughs> yeah. And um, just traveling during COVID, you know. Yeah. It felt like, it felt like oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that person who like comes across as selfish for doing this. And then I was like, everyone has to live their life, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. And people were still life. traveling. Right. Yeah. So we went about it safely and um, we stayed with our grandmother. When I say we, I'm referring to my 15-year-old sister, Takami. Her and I went 
for a month and we stayed with our grandmother, Satilda. So this is my father's mother. So she's again okay. hardcore. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> that's the vibe you need in Florida though. That you yeah. know that you're gonna have the best experience with that energy. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, you know, we were just there at her house because I mean there's really nothing else to do and we're we're doing our schoolwork and other things. So it was beautiful to be there and I learned so much about my family history that I wouldn't have otherwise known. Mm, nice. And, you know, healing happened. Just hearing about where she came from gave me a different level of compassion for all of my family in a way mm. uh, that I hadn't, that I don't think I would otherwise experience. And I just felt like it was the perfect time because I was very open to receive the blessings with her like her stories and even her criticism and things I was just able to be there in an open way I learned a lot about um her mother and just like different things that she liked to bake and just different people in the family so I have some nice recipes to share my grandmother makes the best banana bread I mean like everybody is gonna say what their granny makes is the best but like this but no she's like no it's legit the best like, it's legitimately the best. I'm talking like, yeah. she knows it's so good that she's baking 12 loaves of banana bread in her little oven at a time. So, I'm I just love it. I know, I'm not mad at that. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I'm, like, I'm not mad at that at all. I do, it's funny, I have I have a, a very quick banana bread story. The, my first restaurant job, or my first line cook job was here in New York. And I started out just, I was very humble about my situation. I understood I had worked in catering. I had no clue what it was like to be on a line. And so the chef there was very generous. And I was like, well, you put me where I will do the least amount of damage so I can like learn. Mm -hmm. And so garmage and like, you know, some of the bar snacks and that kind of thing so those were like easy to manage and keep up with however apparently you know that that kind of weird moment where you show yourself to be very proficient at something so that people keep giving you work to do mm -hmm. and so that's what started happening so next thing I knew I was like opening oysters and then I was doing like the whole bar menu and then it was hey can you help them on the other side of the line so I'm dropping fries I'm popping things in ovens and then finally it was can you we don't have a pastry chef can you add this to the 18 million other things you're doing today is bake <laughs> some cakes and bake this and do that and I'm just like and you know when you first start you're like yeah I'll do it because you you know you like you don't want to get fired you want to look like a team player you try I was crazy I should be like no no, find somebody to do that. I'm not, no, y'all are crazy. So we ended up adding dessert because we didn't have dessert for the first few weeks. And it was like, let's add dessert. And so they were like, we want to do this beetroot chocolate cake. I think it was Nigel Slater's recipe that was delicious, but it's a beetroot chocolate cake. So you do have to like execute that perfectly. Otherwise it just tastes like beets. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then there was a, they were trying, they were working on this banana dessert. So it was like a layer of um, banana with like, nice little it was just a sponge vanilla cake in between layers and it's it, they, it was nice it was like a double cream and some other things in there and I was okay and then they wanted to okay let's take it up a notch and let's like flambe the bananas and in, in bourbon and let's put some alcohol in the pan that kind of so we it, it evolved and so eventually they decided oh let's use let's do banana bread and I'm mm -hmm. just like I didn't involve myself in that process. And so I get this recipe eventually from my chef who's like, here's the recipe we've been working on for banana bread. Now context is the guys I worked for were British. And so banana bread's not necessarily something in their canon. So mm -hmm. 
Mm. So I get the recipe and I'm looking at it and it's scribbled down in his little notebook and I'm looking through the recipe like, what is happening with this? This is not banana bread. Like I'm just, okay. And so, I mean, whole bananas, unripe, like barely ripe, just dropped right in the batter and just, they were using butter instead of oil and just, it was a disaster. So I kept trying to run it. And they kept trying to run it, and the, every single version of it came out mealy or dry. It was, I mean, in some instances, it was just wet sand on one side. The other side, it was dry sand, and it was just, none of it was working. And so eventually, I'm like, we're just not going to do this anymore. So I came in one morning, because I always had to come in before everyone else, because I needed all the ovens for all of my prep, and then they mm -hmm. would come in behind me. So I finally had a little bit of oven space and I'm like, let me put some real banana bread together. I didn't even need a recipe at that point because I had been like banana bread had been in my family for so long. You just know how to make it. And so yeah. we had enough ripened bananas around at the perfect level of ripe. And mm -hmm. so I pulled out the stand mixer. I We were doing um, hand cut fries that were poached in duck fat first cooled and then dropped in hot oil for service so i had to do that part i had to i had to wow. cut all the potatoes as part of my prep because you know i didn't have enough to do so while mm -hmm. those were poaching i put the banana bread in and so everyone came in and the kitchen the dining room was on the top of the uh the, the first um floor and then the kitchen was in the basement technically so the people who came in the kitchen could smell it and you know banana bread it's distinct and so they were like, what is happening in this kitchen right now? Who's doing what? I'm like, oh, I'm just, I've, I've decided to just go ahead and make some real banana bread so you guys can just stop whatever this experimentation is because it is so tragic and you are, bananas deserve better than this. Mm -hmm. So I finished it and our, my chef comes in and he doesn't come down yet. And so I just pulled it out, let it cool a little bit, slice off a couple of pieces, grab some like butter and a couple of like some preserves we had on hand and ran it upstairs so he could taste it. Yeah. So after that, it was like, Tiff, can you make, they ate like two whole loaves of it before service. I'm like, I need this banana bread for service. Can you oh not eat it? So then it went from just make one loaf. And then like, by the time I was, I left, it was like up to 12 loaves a day, plus wow. the beef and chocolate cake, plus whatever else they were throwing out there. And then the banana bread made it onto the brunch menu because they were going to, they used it for, um, to make like a waffle. So they make the loaves, slice it, throw it in a waffle maker. So yeah, it was, then they topped it with like peanut butter and jelly. It was really cool. But then the, the banana bread just kept moving along. And I was like, and they were like, what did you do differently? I was just like, I just actually made banana bread. I don't know <laughs> what you guys were doing, but that was not it. So yeah, like banana bread is a classic though. And I just feel like almost everyone culturally, like if you are, if you grew up in a household that had black or and or brown people in it, you somehow had an experience with like a fruit bread, banana bread, or a breakfast bread mm -hmm. of some kind. And, you know, there was always a little dried fruit around. There was always some like some, any, some orange around. So there was, there was something in your house that would go into those things. And like, mm -hmm. you knew those smells and those smells were, those smells are universal. You can go into any place and be like, somebody's making banana bread yeah and, that's real and it's yeah it's and i'm not a huge banana bread with like walnuts fan because most people don't do them the, most people don't do it correctly they they put raw walnuts in and you gotta, just toast, like, them. You gotta toast the walnuts y'all like so usually i'll get it and i'm just like thanks okay and then someone will throw I, i'm a, a bit of a purist when it comes to banana bread so when someone's like let's throw like four cups of banana of, of uh, chocolate chips in it and you're just no, like no i don't i'm not here for that no. Okay. So don't do that again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ever. 
<laughs> if anything, I'm just like a little orange zest is about as far as I am prepared to go. And that is it. But le- let the banana shine, y'all. Like bananas get abused enough. They get thrown in mm-hmm. smoothies. Little babies eat them and they end up with sticky fingers and hand you the last bit they don't want to eat. They get disrespected all the time. Can the <laughs> bananas live in this loaf? So, yes. Um, but I am a huge fan of grandmoms. I find that they have a really, I don't know what it is about, like, when you reach that space of life that you just, you. it's almost like you're endowed with a specific type of, like, energy about you. And so anytime you're around someone's grandma, it's like they share this kind of universal vibe and so I always can tell when someone's a grandma you're just like you're mm-hmm. somebody's grandma aren't you and yeah. you're just like and my sister finds it very weird that I'm obsessed with grandmothers and I'm like it's not in a creepy way it's in a very admirable way it's respectable and she's like mm-hmm. it's a little creepy you can't do that in public with people's grandmas and I'm just like they should know I appreciate them shut up so when people talk to me about like oh I went to go see my grandmother or my grandmother passed it is always it's it's deeply affecting for me because I feel like grandmoms grandmothers have like I said they just have this it's like they have a a, a key or they they know where the portal is to the next world somehow um they just i don't know and you don't have it until you get to that point it's like you you up until then you're just an idiot of a human being and then all of a sudden you become a grandmother and like the entire world opens up and you're like the oracle from the matrix all of Mm -hmm. a sudden Mm -hmm. so yeah so yeah yeah something like that exactly um so is there something that you are and I'm, i'm big on I love overcoming like challenges and problem solving. So that's kind of a, I think that's the space that we do the most growth and um, overcome a lot of our own like personal, like challenges, like insecurities and that kind of thing. So is there something that's kind of in front of you right now that you are like, okay, this is a challenge that we are working through, working on, and that could be professionally or personally, just something that's come up in the last couple of years that you were like, Hey, I didn't know that was something I needed to, to work on. Hmm. There's so many of those, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, a lot of great to share that there's a lot of those. Um, I think one of my biggest challenges within the last couple of years that I've just been like working on diligently is just like setting boundaries in mm. all aspects of my life. I think it's important for me at this age to be to be versed in setting boundaries and also just to be like a young black woman and like setting boundaries is crucial to just like survival you know because people are going to walk all over you if you allow them to so how about you stop complaining about it girl and you better do something about it and I was like yeah this is true yeah so oh oh, yeah I've been setting a lot of boundaries and I think having strong personal boundaries helps me to have strong professional boundaries like I'm not going to respond to your Instagram DM request because if you really were interested in me being featured on your podcast, you could have sent me an email by clicking the link in my bio and sending me a professional message. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, people can feel how they feel about it, but it's just like, you, you don't need to ask me over and over again, how do I find out how to go to your website? If you're... You can see the link in my bio and you can just go do it. So, you know, learning how to not repeat myself and let people find Girl. out information and just like let just them adult my time. Like yeah. my time in a way that works for me and just being there on a because I'm young and I have to have fun. Like that's um a goal of mine for a couple of years. It's like yes. you're not gonna be this age for that much. Longer. I'm always <laughs> yeah, it's 
20 and you're going to be like, gosh, how am I already 20? Like, what was I doing? Let me tell you. <laughs> there is, there are moments now, like I will be, oh God, how old will I be this year? Give me a minute. You better know. <laughs> Let me tell you, once you cross 35, all of it's a blur. Um, I want to say 42. I'll be 42 this year. And um, every year there's a, there's usually one or two times a year me and my sister will like have this conversation of, I don't feel like I'm having enough fun. Are you feeling mm -hmm. this way? Like, I feel like, I, but it's one of those things where if like, if I, when I was six, now I graduated from high school, I was still 15 and I couldn't really do anything but work. Like it was mm -hmm. kind of like legally, you can't even do that full time. So right. I, and I always was really like scholastically driven. So I was kind of super serious all of the time. Like if anybody knew me, they would be like, oh, you know, what's Tiffany like, you know, as a 10 year old, they were like, oh, she's really serious. And I'm like, hmm. and now mm -hmm. in hindsight, you know, 32 years later, you're just like, I didn't, I don't think I needed to be that serious. Someone needed to tell me that I didn't need to take it all that seriously, but like yes. understanding how to prioritize like enjoyment and pleasure and luxury is such that's like, that's, that's, that's full-time adulting right there. I think it's the part, it's the component people miss when you're talking to like a group of young people or a group of kids. And they're just like, you know, these are the things you guys need to be doing in order to like live the successful life. And the thing that's always missing in those kind of talks and speeches is that you need to be able to enjoy it. Yeah. And in order to enjoy it, you do have to set some boundaries. You do have to say no to some things. Don't be afraid of that. And so you, you know, cause when you're younger, it's like, say yes to everything. I remember getting mm -hmm. that advice at some yeah. point say yes yeah. to everything and i'm like please don't <laughs> don't do that that's terrible advice don't say yeah. yes to everything say yes to the things that bring you joy say yes to the things that um i always say to say yes to the things that seem risky and scary but you know that on the other side of it is going to be something amazing it's like don't let fear dictate that answer yeah. but i don't think saying yes to everything is the answer or solution either right Excuse yeah, definitely. Me. And I think when you were saying like being being that serious young person, like I can relate to that in a lot of ways because I feel like I've just been I've just been that way for a long time. So like, <laughs> you don't even remember not being that yeah. person. And so more recently I'm like you're going to look back at this time and you are going to feel some type of way. I don't want to well. say regret. <laughs> some type of way. That if, instinct is correct. Yes, you will. Yeah, if you realize that you just we're so busy working or doing this and that. But I it's also like, like this is me preparing for not doing that when I'm older. Like that's how right. I am my life being. I'm not gonna be 65 working. It's not gonna that's, be me. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's you do there is a there is a sacrifice in play at that point. And it's just like how do how do I execute that? What does what is the expression of that sacrifice? I think most times we, you know, you you work, I say work in the thing, work with the thing, do the thing as, as the energy is there for it. I think we know when sometimes it's time to take a step back and the people who burn out are the ones who don't acknowledge that moment, that the mm -hmm. moment has come for you to take a, take a step back and pause. And so we ignore those opportunities and those windows that we get to pause, not necessarily quit, but just pause. It's like, Hey, this is, you know what you need to take a, you need to take a day. And not do anything here and it's like the universe is kind of called calling you into a space of rest momentarily so because it knows that the next step is going to require even more energy from you it's going to mm -hmm. require more work more labor more thought so it wants to give you a moment of respite to go stop for a second in this process and take a minute for yourself 
And so, yeah, so it's definitely like, congrats. And I tell people like, when you learn, once you, once you figured out how to set boundaries, like, let me know what you did. Cause I'm always looking for suggestions. Like, <laughs> I remember like my therapist telling me one time, she was like, so you're that person who thinks they have boundaries, but really don't. And I'm just like, Ooh, she told you. She really did. Ooh, she really did. Gotta I was like, ma'am, I'm gonna need you to mind your business. <laughs> Um, so I kind of just looked at her like, I don't even know what you mean. And she was just like, yeah, you think you have boundaries, but you don't. Like, <laughs> I'm like, any of this right now. But she was absolutely correct. And, you know, she was like, people who have boundaries aren't having the challenges you're having. Ooh, and, yeah, I've been told that. Definitely. You're right. My bad. And so I had to figure out what boundaries really were. And, like, how to defend those boundaries. Like, a lot of times people do have boundaries, but they don't know how to, like, stand up for themselves when people are crossing them and when people yeah, are violating them. Yes. Oh yeah. And people like to cross a boundary, especially mm -hmm. when when you're when you have like a generous spirit. People think you being generous means that they can abuse you and right. like take advantage of you. And it's just like, no, that's not how that works. Exactly. And you will learn very quickly like that's not how this works at all. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, okay. I'm definitely much better about it, about it because it is a practice, just like so many things in life. But, um, but yeah, girl, yes, boundaries, all the things. Mm -hmm. Now, for as far as like continuing education and all that, are you looking at schools right now? Have you already like, are you? What does your college setup look like? Are you even thinking about college? Like, what's what's like kind of the post high school education, or are you already in it? This is kind of like a challenging conversation because if I have a specific high school situation, but like I'm taking online college classes right now through um, a website that, you know, it's it's great because it's self-paced, but it's also yeah. you have to be extra disciplined to get your work done. So True. that's something I'm working on. Uh, but yeah. I'm I'm having a meeting with the counselor next week. Just God bless you. That. It was but, my least favorite, but most like thing. I it was it was a it is. I feel your I feel your energy on this one. I was like, it is a whole thing. You're just like I want to think about this, but I don't want to have to think about this. I have things I want to do. I know that require this type of education, but at the same time, the process of getting through things and getting this done, and just like, can I just be in the class already? I mm -hmm. why do we have all this build up, lead up, drama, and extra? And um, like, I didn't see my guidance counselor probably in high school until my senior year. And we was about halfway in. Mm, yeah. And by then they were like, so you've done nothing. I'm like, I didn't know I was, I needed to like, um, you know, like, cause while I have like both of my grandmothers were educators, education is a, is a big conversation in my family. And I was always the kid with like the good grades. And I was, you know, like a super applied in, in my scholarship at, um, scholarship ambitions or scholarly ambitions and so when it came to college I thought you know someone's gonna tap me on the shoulder and be like Tiff let's talk about college let's see what you know what do you need to do let's apply for these scholarships so on and so forth child nobody did none of that mm. the first time I had a conversation a legitimate conversation about going to college was my senior year of high school my honors English teacher stopped me on my way out of class and hands me this little slip of paper and I opened the paper up and it's a list of names. I have no clue what these names are. So now, and she, it was, let's see, um, William and Mary, um, Vassar and a couple of others. And I was just like, I had no clue what these were. And so I was like, oh, thank you. What are these? And she looks at me like I had grown a second head. And I was like, she was like, these are colleges. I was like, oh, 
I've never heard of any of these. And she just looked devastated. Like no one has ever talked to you about, I was like, well, I really don't know like what I need to do for college. She was like, did you take your SAT? I'm like, my SATs? She was like, okay, um, so <laughs> you need to go see your guidance counselor. Um, so I was <laughs> like, oh. it's like, okay. So I, I mean, I managed to take the SATs that, like by the skin of my teeth. I didn't have, I had zero time to prepare for them. So the fact that I scored, what did I score? I want to say right around 1200 without, with zero preparation and like no expectation. I didn't get a chance to take the ACTs because I couldn't even afford to take those. And so at that point I was just like, okay, I'm going to college. I hadn't applied to any place. I just girl but it, at that point it just you know like now in hindsight it just tells me like college can't just be a um uh, an expectation on kids mm -hmm. that you think are like smart or ambitious it has to be a conversation you're having with them so that when you come to this moment you're not stressing them out and there's not like this huge burden and thing attached to it like it should be an extension of like their education it should feel like that too so so yeah, the college, the college thing, like me, I'm still working through, um, like my degree at Penn State. So, <laughs> so, so I was like, look, for anybody who is a late bloomer when it comes to college specifically, don't you even sweat it. <laughs> like It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, and it, because it was always part of my equation too. Like people would look at, you know, they, they know me and they look at my, like when at the time it was like, oh, I'm looking at my grades and some other stuff. Like the assumption was that, oh, Tiff's going to go to college. She's part of the national honor society. She's like in the top 10 percentile of her class, blah, blah, blah. And when people find out like now that they're like, you know, college was not, didn't come that easy, uh, not academically, but just like financially and life and everything else, you know, they forget like, not everybody has kind of this insular path that they can just jump right in. And so, yeah, even now people are like, what? You didn't just go like straight and have like a, have a scholarship and stuff? Like, nope. They were like, man, I thought if anybody would have done that, you would. And I was just like, see, this is what, this shows what you know about life. But yeah. Um, yeah. So you said business administration. Um, anything else that you're kind of curious about in the, I guess, in the education space, in the college space that you would want to, yeah, I was some people majors and minors. I mean, I'm interested in English, but like I don't know what capacity really. Gotcha. And I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah, like more recently, since I started working at this bakery at this, sh wait, cut that out. More recently, since I started working at this bakery. Um... <laughs> <laughs> like edit that out, please. No, we're not having that. <laughs> we're not doing this. <laughs> Somebody's gonna pop up on me. <laughs> um. Anyhow, some of my coworkers have like gone to culinary school and they're asking me about it. And I was like, "Well, maybe I would want to do that." And mm. I was like, "Yeah, but maybe you want to be versed in something else that gives you even more credibility in life in terms gotcha. of like other things that you've done." Yeah, true. I mean, culinary school was was interesting. Like, I started at the Le Cordon Bleu, and then at some point, I had an instructor approach me and tell me like don't waste my time and money there they were like everything we're going to teach you you already know how to do and I was mm -hmm. like sir I have never worked in food a day in my life how would you even know that and he was like because you sat in my class and I know exactly he's like you have the temperament for it you have the skill set for it you learn very quickly he's like it is better for you to go into a really good kitchen and find a, a generous chef and learn from them than to sit in these classrooms and I was just like Okay, good point. Wow. Good point. And so I, I mean, I really didn't heed that advice initially, but it, it 
months of him coming to me and telling me the the same thing over and over and over again i was just like okay this man has worked in food for like 40 years and um in a lot of capacities and so he obviously knows what he's talking about so i had to take the i had to take a season and really just like consider what he was saying and just you know because i'm again like i'm that education first person Mm -hmm. like what do i what what don't i know and um and so yeah that was that was a chat that was a challenging conversation to have because i was always like scholarship first and so he um he was like yeah not in this way though like not not the way you think and so i had to really get flexible about how i was thinking about like my culinary education mm-hmm. and, uh, so yeah but he was right and i mean he was absolutely right so um i did more i learned i've learned more like looking at the people i know now who like finished who went through that program that i was a part of and like how many of them did not end up in food professionally at all um was like okay yeah it was i made the right decision decision on that one so but yeah i mean culinary school is definitely something to consider i think if there was more i think if culinary education was more robust if it had a bit more of a global view and we weren't looking just through kind of like european western eyes with a lot of it um I find it probably would be more about val- it would be more valuable to people, but right now because it's so it's still so silo when it comes to like these are the techniques, these are the foods you need to learn about, and that's it. And you're just so grossly unprepared to like feed people after that. <laughs> you just are like, oh, they don't eat any of this stuff though. Like, so help me understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's definitely like something to like think about as far as like do i really need this to to go here um because it can inform some some choices in the end but um and there was oh gosh i had a question that was forming but now i can't remember what it is um I have, oh i have something to add but you can ask your question <laughs> i was gonna say um you know and you can you can answer this after you you um at, jumped in there and added what you needed to say um what are you what are you excited about as far as like food and pastry like what are you seeing in the world what are you seeing in the industry like you know chefs that are coming up that you're like paying attention to and watching maybe recipes or ingredients that are starting to get some shine so just you can answer that after um after that okay what i was going to add is that um at the beginning of march i started working at as needed bakery and i i had decided to work there because I've never had like a quote real job, you know, outside mm-hmm. of Lashy Bakes. I've never been employed to somebody. Right. So I was like, I know that I will learn a lot from being on a team of other people, learning yeah. what it's like on a daily basis to be in this kitchen, learn how to make breads, these types of things. And so since working there, I've really learned that like I am an entrepreneur and now I'm really understanding why I'm an entrepreneur and I see that I have like a strong sense of and I know what I want and how I want my visions to be executed and like that is what's for me so I've been you know just like struggling a little bit to manage my time between you know school work my business other other things that I enjoy doing and so it's been a huge learning curve because I don't think I would do this at another time in my life and I'm like okay so I am an entrepreneur because I do not want to do Z for for this and that you know like I like being able to have my own schedule and all of these things so instead of working four days I'm going to start working three days for eight hours so okay awesome yeah I mean that was that was one of the the big things that came later on in life where I was like oh so I don't 
like having an employer. Okay, cool. Now I know. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. we'll, we won't be we won't be revisiting this again. So yeah, it makes and it's sense. It's no shade to the company. It's no shade to the company. Right. It's like yeah. you know, it's my personal journey. So like, it's if just not how I'm built. Hearing this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like this is not me. This is not the way my account is set up. I don't mm-hmm. do no. I that's not for me. So yeah, yeah. understand. So follow up on your question. I would oh. say that some people who inspire me are Sophia Rowe, um, Bryant Terry. Azureus Bellamy. I have looked up to these people. Oh, Marcus Samuelson. These are other people I've looked up to. I think that I like the shift around like diversity being talked about in the culinary industry and how things don't just have to be French or Italian or this and that. I think that that was like a huge reason why I didn't want to go to culinary school when I was younger. I was like, it seems like we're just learning about how to make things that are considered like traditional to these people. Like what else? And I'm not really versed in this to have like a huge opinion, but I just, I like being able to see more of a diverse group of people teaching what they know on on platforms like Instagram and other things. And just like having the confidence to share what they know, regardless of like whatever credentials they have. Yeah. Um, so that's been exciting. I like seeing a lot of like different vegan baked goods and how people are transforming traditional pastries into being vegan pastries and like people don't even notice the difference because I've I was born and raised vegetarian and more recently I've I've been eating more vegan and so I have a huge audience of vegan customers because my parents have owned a vegan Jamaican restaurant. Okay. So there's like an assumption that Yashi Bakes is a vegan company. And so as I continued to blossom in in baking, I had to be able to adapt to meet those customers' desires because I know I'm capable of doing it. So I make four secretly vegan cookies. I have a vegan cake menu now, and I have other products that I'm working on developing that are vegan so that I can serve whoever wants to be my customer. And then yeah. after after that, I'll do more work on developing amazing gluten-free products um, because my goal is really to have a cafe in the future. I see myself okay. having a cafe. One of my favorite things to make is like breakfast and like potatoes and, you know, acai bowls and pancakes and waffles and muffins and all of the different things. Um, and I also like savory products you know I'm yeah I'm known for sharing my pastries and things but I enjoy cooking as well so that's like my ultimate goal that I've had for honestly as long as I can remember when I look on old homework assignments I was saying like I want to have a bakery slash cafe when I'm older (laughs) nice look we need we need them we need places to gather and eat especially after all of these shenanigans Mm -hmm. um and and things I think we're gonna and it's not so much that I think we had a lot of places to like sit and eat but I just don't feel like we had places that had like a a a soul for it you know what I mean it was like it was just it was a building with a staff and a Mm -hmm. menu Mm -hmm. but to be able to gather in a place that feels good and you feel nourished just kind of being in the building um is like I think we need more of those types of common spaces you know I think uh, Starbucks did a great job marketing that kind of concept of like this your your second place so it's that place between work and home where you can feel at home um 
even if you're not there. And so I think we we need we need people building spaces that kind of lend themselves to that kind of energy in different communities where people can come and just, you know, and be um, mm-hmm. and not feel like completely surrounded by capitalism all the time. Um, so, so, yeah, like that would I would encourage you to continue on that. Um, well, let me think. I, I mean, do I let me see. Final question. Final question. Final question. Um, um, mm, oh, what I mean. I'm sure at this point in life, you've gotten a tremendous amount of like advice and suggestions and words of wisdom and stuff. So do you have some of your own that you would like to share, whether it be about entrepreneurship, whether it be about just being your own person, doesn't matter what it is, um, you know, just a, a word of advice for anyone listening, whether they be in your age group or older, doesn't matter. Okay. I would say tap into your intuition. And if you're not really sure what that means, I would say, Cultivate listening to the inner voice that you have and um, trusting it in different situations. There's plenty of times where I've just known something is not right for me because I can feel my body's reaction to something. And I've been like, okay, I can't go to this school. Like maybe I was going here. Maybe I really wanted to go here, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue going here because this is not right for me. And then after leaving that, that situation and hearing more things about about the school, I was like, see, I, I knew for myself that this was not going to work for me. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had a lot of tall asks and I used to be that person who wanted to people please and have other people satisfied. And it's like, but you're not even happy doing that. So why would you do that? So there's two points in this, like do what you want to do and do what makes you happy. Um, you know, set strong boundaries. And also what was it? Just like collaborate with people who are like-minded to you but also people who you can learn from and and lean into the discomfort of things because that is where you grow and it's just there's so much time in life when you're going to be uncomfortable so if every time you're in that energy field you feel so much resistance it's going to be more difficult to be in that energy field like currently I'm kind of in a place of discomfort around like working at this job and feeling very isolated as like you know the only young person and the only black person and the only young black person so it's just like having having the confidence to express my concerns and like assert myself unapologetically and like make it work for me and know that it's also a temporary situation so it's funny because when as soon as I started working there of course I'm going to get so many other opportunities for Yashi and it's of course. like of course of course and so, so right now I'm feeling like I overcommitted and I've, I've been feeling like a little bit challenged for the last couple of weeks, just like depleted in my energy because baking at this scale is like physically intensive labor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Learn yeah. Sometimes, things. sometimes situations pop up to show us what we don't want. And mm-hmm. it just, it's like, here's, here's, here's why. Cause a lot of times we are, we kind of, we not even a lot of times, most times we move through life without a why at the center of a lot of our choices and decisions. And we have a how and a what all day long, but we don't have a why. And sometimes mm-hmm. that why looks like a why not. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, that part of that exercise of creating boundaries and that exercise of listening to yourself and your own intuitions is like, 
sometimes that voice gets quieter and quieter and you're not listening to it because it's overrun by like common sense and the things that are kind of society standards. And why wouldn't you do that? And it doesn't make sense. And oh, you might not be happy about it in the short term, but maybe in the long run, you'll be glad you did it. Like there's a lot of that kind of reasoning that pops up a lot of times. And at some point, you know, it, and of course there's always that space where it's like, okay, things are always going to come along to make me question whether this is the thing I really want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so when it does pop up, it's kind of like, yep, okay, I did that. And now I know, like now my resolve is even stronger. Yep. This is the thing I am supposed to be doing. These are the things that I get to do. This is the thing that I will be doing. And so I, sometimes it is like these things show up because we need to reassert our, our why, like mm -hmm. I'm doing this for this very specific reason. And I don't, I don't have the, I, there's no question now. Like there's a certain level of confidence that you'll walk away from. You'll walk away from this moment with more confidence in what you do. Cause it's going to be like, well, I did that. I've done that already. And mm -hmm. I know that for sure, I don't fit in that space. That is not for me. And so I'm okay with it's like, but there's no, it's, it's that idea that that, choice can live in a space of like joy and acceptance and not like resentment and fear, which a lot of people end up doing. It's like, well, I'm not going to work there because I don't even like those people and I don't like this. And I, it's none of that. It's just that I am, I am so clear about my purpose and my work and what I should be doing that anything else outside of that just won't make any sense. Hmm. And I'm okay letting that go because it didn't belong to me in the first place. So, yeah, so sometimes it's just that, okay, yep, this was, I was right. My gut was correct. This was not a space I needed to be in. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So, but it do take a minute to move through it because you're like, I've committed to some things. Because now you have to play out the commitment. It's just like, well, I committed to do this for this amount of time. So let me play out this commitment. Let me like, you know, let this run its course and get reach its expiration date. Because the next real test is kind of like when that moment comes for you to go, okay, we're done will you actually just go, we're done? Because a lot of people don't, they get scared and they're just like, well, maybe, maybe I just was thinking about this the wrong way, or maybe I should just hang in there for a little while longer. And it's just like, no, I was right six months ago. I was right three months ago. I was right three weeks ago. So yeah. when the window, when the window yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So, well, thank you, ma'am, for hopping on. Um, I appreciate you. It was so nice to like finally like locking a date because I know we've been chatting about doing an interview for a little while and yes full full heartily <laughs> if you know if you can send an email send an email if you can follow on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or wherever else people are existing and, and talking about their work respectfully do so like mm -hmm. don't badger people if the information is is available y'all like don't do that oh so where do i listen to the where do i listen to the podcast everywhere <laughs> look it up you trip and fall into it like what are you asking me right now um well can you just send me that link no that's what we're not doing yeah exactly that means i gotta go look up the link and then come back in here and do you give accept it to you. do you accept Venmo? <laughs> girl I was just like, did, doesn't it say, oh, I think my favorite one is when they tell you that they read it somewhere. Well, oh, I saw that you accept so-and-so. So do you accept so-and-so? And you're just like, nah, oh. not me. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so you are on um, Instagram and? I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I'm going to start a YouTube channel soon. It will be Perfect. announced. 
And stay tuned for online baking classes that will be launching very soon. I'm super excited about this. It's oh, been yeah. like something yeah. I've So, so make sure you spell my name right and then you'll find out all of the information. So Yachi Bakes is Y-A-H-S-H-I-B-A-K-E-S. Yachi Bakes is on um, all those different platforms and you can also just go directly to the website and send an email or whatever you need to do. Yeah, yeah. And y'all, the name is not that hard to spell. So don't even, don't even trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I, people try it. They do. And you're just like, did you just, no, we're not, go, we're not doing that this year. We're retiring, making names harder than they need to be in 2021. We're letting that go. Exactly. Um, you guys can pronounce Tchaikovsky and spell it. Then I don't want to hear anything. Exactly. You better say that. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, girl. Well, thank you again. Um, I will let you go and continue the rest of your Sunday. And hopefully you get some, you know, uh, you, today's a day of respite, rest and reset and refresh for you. And um, so, yeah, and I will connect with you again. Once all of the, the the cooking classes and everything pop off, send me that information so I can like get it on the website and we can kind of, we can boost all that stuff on the Instagram. And then um, I have been working on a streaming platform, kind of like a little bit like Hulu, Hulu meets Netflix meets YouTube. So there's some like um, creator content stuff there. There's some actual like produced content there. And so right now we're in, I'm in content development mode. So Awesome. Once, once, you're, once you, your YouTube and stuff gets up, we can definitely uh, talk about, um, you know, maybe streaming some video on the platform and things like that. So that would be really cool. And um, nice. so, so thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Tiffany. This Absolutely. Was always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I love following your work. And I'm, like I said, I'm always cheering. I'm cheering folks on. I want all the Black people to win. So. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> all right. I will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right.